Hey, welcome back to the City Boy Rock Podcast. This is episode 16. I'm one of your hosts, Vincent Trin. And I'm your other host, Shrey Takar. And crazy week this week. We got an amazing, the amazing documentary, The Last Dance, just finished. We're going to be breaking that down for you guys. And we're going to talk about our top 10 favorite finals of the 2010s. And we're also going to give our reactions to the um, top 101 players of the decade by Pro Football Focus and give you some thoughts about that. And with that, with all that being said, thank you all so much for, for listening to the show. And hope you all stay healthy and stay safe. Stay safe. What is going on, Shrey? How are you doing, man? I'm good, bro. Though that, that yesterday was crazy, bro. That last dance episode. I, yeah. I don't think I've recovered from that yet. I don't think anybody has. Um, but yeah, let's jump right into it. I mean, the last episode, the last two episodes of The Last Dance were last night. Um, we learned a lot, a lot of things that we didn't know. Uh, the first thing that surprised me was the flu game it wasn't actually flu. It was food poisoning. Then we jumped to uh, the Steve Kerr story, which I knew his dad was murdered but i didn't i didn't know he was a, like an like he was working overseas in lebanon, in lebanon at the time so that blew my mind and then uh we had probably the most shocking thing for everybody that phil jackson had the opportunity to return to the team and he turned it down for some reason i think he knew it was over and i mean the zen master he didn't want to rebuild <clears throat> yeah and uh the zen master knows what he's doing so yeah there was so many surprises there last night um but yeah, the 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 one takeaway I'm gonna say from this is that uh, you know, I say the breakup of the team wasn't all on Jerry Krause, even though it's been said like that the entire time. I think Reinsdorf and Phil Jackson had a, had a part in it as well, um, and I I do I really truly think that Michael Jordan would have won eight straight finals if he stayed for two more years, and that's just how it is. It would have been interesting in 2000, but um, yeah. But Shrey, I'm gonna ask you this right now. Um, after this whole entire last dance, how much more does this separate Jordan from LeBron as the greatest player of all time? Um, I think it separates them immensely. Um, I don't think it's really close right now. I mean, the stuff that Jordan had to deal with, I don't think any basketball player has ever had to deal with in terms of just the fame, the tragedy, the front office being just hindering their chances at winning more than six. Although you could say you could say Dan Gilbert did ruin LeBron's chances a couple times. Yeah, but some of it was on his own. I mean but um yeah they just had he had just had to deal with so much. I mean it was oh it was not as easy as everyone thought it would be being Michael Jordan. I mean, he couldn't be a normal person. He couldn't just go out to a local restaurant and eat. He had everyone following him. You know, he had, like we uh, mentioned in yesterday's episode, like people waiting for him in a parking garage across from the arena just to get a look at him. I mean, it's so crazy how big of an impact he had on basketball. I remember yesterday David Stern was talking about how before Jordan was Jordan, it was basketball was the NBA was really only popularized, I think in around 90, 80 to 90 countries. And now it's up to over 200. I mean, the impact, the lasting impact that Jordan's had on the game. um, I don't think any player is ever going to match that. I mean, his shoe sales are four times of what LeBron is. To this day, to Um, this day. Yeah, to this day. And he's been retired for, I mean, his peak retired, like when he retired from Chicago, that was 22 years ago. And his shoe sales are still up. Everyone, he's still relevant. Nobody really talks about all the other players from his era um, like they talk about Jordan. He's a fixture in the NBA for forever. I mean, he's the icon of the NBA. I mean, I, I don't think anyone can really match that. I'm sorry, LeBron. He might have to win a few more to catch up to him. Uh, I'm going to say this right now. We have never really seen a dynasty go out like the Bulls did. I mean, to go out as champions, because last year we saw the Warriors, they fell to Toronto. We've seen the Patriots 
you know, crumble. They lost to Tennessee last year. But Michael Jordan, you yeah, know, the Lakers. Lakers, they lost to Detroit in 04. And then, I mean, Miami got crushed by San Antonio. We've seen, you know, dynasties crumble. But the thing is, you don't – the thing about the Bulls is that you don't know how much more they could have won because they reti- mm-hmm. cause Jordan retired and the whole thing blew up. I mean, they came in, they won six out of eight, and then they left on top. That's something that, you know, still boggles my mind because that just shows you that they still have some stuff in the tank left to maybe make another run. Mm-hmm. And we still don't know how many rings Jordan could have had if he didn't re- re- never retired. It could have been 10 straight finals. I mean, we'll never know. But, yeah, the thing about Jordan is his willingness to win, he'll put it, put it over everything. And I don't think we're ever going to see a player like that besides Kobe, of course. And, I mean, I think LeBron wants to win, but I don't think he'll do it at all costs. I feel like, you know, Jordan – would sell his soul to win. And I think, I mean, this dude is the greatest player of all time. There's no mm-hmm. – the ESPN did a poll yesterday, which was, like, totally – it was a pretty dumb poll. It was – I mean, they put Jordan as a better facilitator as as um, LeBron. But the thing is, is that it just shows you how much power Jordan has to this day. I mean, so many people have, haven't seen Jordan play in 22 years, and they still believe he's that much better than LeBron. It was, like, 70%, usually to 30% of LeBron's vote. And, um, yeah, it was just crazy. Another thing I want to point out is that Dennis Rodman was back at it again. I haven't really heard that much of him in the in the documentary since his episode in, like, three or four. But he came back last night. This man literally left right before the finals, right before the, right before game two, I think. He goes – he after game one or something, he goes, skips practice, and then he to, – to do WWE or WWF at the time. WCW. Yeah, some wrestling thing. But, yeah, he skips practice – to be on WCW or whatever it is. And then, I mean, bro, imagine somebody doing that today. If you skip practice before the finals. They'll get crushed, absolutely crushed. And then he shows up to practice in his PJs. This dude is, I mean, I, we've never seen anything like it. The Bulls are just something else, man. I, it was just crazy to me. And then, um, yeah, it's just something like that. But. Sure. What do you think about the food game thing? Would you think that you think it would sound better if it was a food poisoning game, or you think? I mean, either way, I mean, he was suffering. Yeah. Like, regardless of whether it was food poisoning or. But the you think flu, you I think mean, you change he... the name to a food poisoning game? It would be as it would be as cool as the flu game. I honestly think I honestly no, think, yeah, it, it would, would not. Be as cool to... The flu game, the flu game just has a different like ring to it. Yeah, the food poisoning game just like it's just too clunky. I don't. I feel, but flu game just just flows. It's like. I don't know. I feel if like flu, like when people think of the flu, they think of worse symptoms than food poisoning. You yeah, know? man, and and yeah, the food. Po- yeah, you don't want to be playing an NBA Finals game with the flu. Like no one thinks of that when they have the flu, you know. And this guy did it. So well, that was probably an all-time gutsiest performance. <laughs> In, yeah, in the finals, and he hit the game winner. Like, yeah, he, he he was like nobody talks about how many of clutch shots he hit, he hit in the finals. Like this dude was literally. Deciding games with a flu, while like a lot of the stars now are, you know, I mean, it it's a different circumstance. Like, there's more three point shooting. There's the cl- games are not as close now, but these games were like nip and tuck. Scoring came at a premium, and he was making the deciding shots. Yeah, those not, those Jazz so teams were tough, crazy. man. I mean, they matched up with the Bulls extremely well, and Carl yeah. Malone. Carl Malone was a problem. Yeah, I don't think anybody could stop Malone, and then. Especially yeah. in that low post, his little spot over there. Rodman was way too small for him. I mean, yeah, he, he gave a good effort, yeah. but he's too small. And uh, rebounding wise, he can keep. Yeah, but Malone is him, just but big. Not, not strength wise, he's yeah. big. Um, I mean, they call him the mailman for for a reason, man. He delivers, and he was delivering. But uh, I'm gonna say, I want to say something about um, how Phil Jackson had the opportunity to come back to the team, man. I just want to, like, do you think Phil Jackson really wanted to coach the Bulls again or he was actually just done with Jerry, he was done with everything? Or do you th- – what was the – like, what do you think his actual reason was for, for not coming back to the team? I mean, he did say he didn't want to go over – Jerry Krause. You know, Krause's head yeah. and then still coach the team and just have that discord because they did not have a good relationship at all. But the thing is – and they then, made it work, which was surprising me because I was like, even if it worked for how many years they've been going back at it, I mean, they could win another chip. But I think Phil just wanted a fresh new start. And, um, yeah, it was just crazy. 
And also another problem, uh, all the players, I feel, had assumed that Reinsdorf did not, like, want to continue with them at all, you know? Like, Scotty, like, he felt like Scotty and the rest of the role players on that team, um, their market value was too high, and they wouldn't be able to sustain that value for multiple years. But as you saw, Jordan finally watched that clip and realized why um, the team was broken up. And he said that he could have gotten them back on one-year contracts. I think Scotty would have been the hardest to get back, but I think Phil would have coached if all of them were coming back. For sure. But he just didn't want to coach a rebuild. Like, it would have been – he was thinking it was, like, if Jordan came and back, just no, just it would have been just scrubs. Jordan yeah. and nobody and them just trying to rebuild. And Reinsdorf was uh, – yeah, my man's yeah. Reinsdorf was a little cheap. That's that's everybody's yeah, known. He was a he snake. Was a snake. And um, I think we haven't we didn't hear much about Jerry Cross that last episode at all. Barely. I mean, it was more. F- yeah, I thought we would get. I thought more. we would get a lot more of the fallout, and it would be more on and Jerry. But it, it was on the other Jerry and Phil. So that was crazy. Um, the Steve Kerr part really touched me. That put that part was extremely yeah, I know. sad. I, I had me tearing up. You know, it's really crazy because him and MJ really had similar stories. They're both their dads got murdered, and you know they. Yeah, they, they they had that brutally, brutally murdered. murdered, and they just had that dog mentality in them. And Steve Kerr came up big, and it's crazy how it was such a storybook uh, finish to the '97 Finals. You know, Jordan passing it off to Steve Kerr to hit the game winning shot. I mean, and then that hilarious yeah. speech. And you can't write it up any better than that, man. Yeah. I feel like it felt like a it movie. Literally, it yeah. didn't feel real for a second. There were so many obstacles that each was, player had to come through because I I was not expecting that Steve Kerr mini, you know. That mini biography on segment, our mini yeah. Yeah. that was gr- that was great. That was a great addition. That's great addition. Props yeah. to the director. That sh- that was it was beautifully beautifully made. made. And then the transition to him hitting the game. It was from his entire life to him leading up to that '97 shot. I mean, it was incredible what the director mm-hmm. did. I'm really glad he got some shine because I didn't ex- I did not expect that. Yeah. You know, you don't expect like role players to get that much shine, but he got his whole segment. It was like what seven to. Eight minutes, but it was it was really important to the whole documentary and him and Michael's relationship. Yeah, it really showed just how important he really was to the team, and uh, mm-hmm. that's what I love about this documentary. You just learn about things that you never have you heard about, but you don't know much about, much in detail about. Mm-hmm. And these things are just great. Um, but yeah, Steve Kerr was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I also want to touch on. The, the all those the, all the cameos. Leonardo DiCaprio was in there. That shocked me too. I was like, I don't know what this man was doing there. We got Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld was there. Jerry. So uh, Carmen Electra was there, of course. I mean, this is crazy. This is just the the music too. I got to talk about the music in the background. I like especially when they're hitting those big shots, man. They had some. I don't know. The, it was either the '90s like hip hop or it would be like mm-hmm. some crazy like. It felt like the Dark Knight type of music, man. You ever watch the Dark Knight? Yeah. You watch the Dark Knight. You know how that music. Of course, bro. the build up and everything. It was just crazy. Uh, that was a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and I don't think I just. I'm hoping we get it. Like it just uh, kept getting better and better. Like I thought, like six and seven were crazy, and then you watch. Oh my gosh, it was seven. I thought seven and eight were crazy, and then you watched yesterday's two episodes, yeah. and it was like, wow, it just kept getting better and better. Um, and like the way they just went out. Uh, doing that ritual that um, Phil Jackson um, came up with. It was just like a storybook ending. I feel like it was the right time to end. Yeah. Um, even with the what if, without those what ifs, he still won six chips. Like with a lot of players with what ifs, like you say T-Mac, oh, what if he never got hurt? Like he never really had that much playoff success. Yeah. Not, no disrespect to him, but I'm just saying, I'm just giving an example. Like, the what if with Michael Jordan, even without it, you have six chips. The go. It's, e- it's either the it's, it's like, what if, oh, what if he stayed? You would have won 10 chips. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't dispute that. He's six rings and uh, he's great. My final takeaway is what is your, what is your favorite episode of this whole entire series that now that we've seen it all for you? Um, I'm going to have to go with uh, either seven or eight. I just feel like, Oh, seven, seven. I'm going to have to go with seven because that just went through Michael's journey. And then the ending of seven, I'll, I'll never get over that. I thought that was like the best part of the documentary, honestly. Yeah. That... When he was talking about his will to win and him being a tyrant and saying people only say that because they never won. And then him getting emotional about being 
hard on his teammates. It was just amazing. The, I feel like that could have been an ending. Yeah. To the dock. We never seen Jordan Man. ever open up yeah. like that before. Yeah. Uh, my favorite episode's got to be episode. I think I I think I'm gonna go five because I think five just five was the one where it went through so many storylines. Uh, I think it was like Dream Team. It went through Dream Team. It went to Michael Jordan's cultural impact. Uh, I think it was the the finals against the Suns and his like just mental exhaustion. Yeah, that was one of my favorite episodes because it showed mm-hmm. what obstacles he really had and that he was at the end of the day he was just a human as any of us and he goes through the same things that we go through. But he's an extremely talented player, so yeah. Yeah. Um, was that was that all you gotta say about the uh, the last dance? Anything else? Yeah, I think I got everything out. All right, moving on from there, we're gonna go transition over to our top ten finals of the 2010s because it is 2020, and I feel like it's an appropriate time since we haven't talked about actual NBA stuff in a long time. So, uh, like modern day NBA. So let's jump right into it. With number 10 for me, I'm going 2018 Cavs versus Warriors. Um, this one right here was, I think I was a senior in high school and just had graduation or something. But, yeah, this was probably a, a snooze fest. I think everybody came into this knowing who was going to win. It was a sweep. Warriors come in. Uh, the J.R. Smith incident happens. That was about the only memorable thing about this finals. Warriors come and sweep them. Trey, who's your number 10? Yeah. Yeah, I got them at number 10. I mean, LeBron was pretty overmatched in this. Yeah. Nobody really thought he had a chance. So. This was the no, this, I, was the was this was the the Kyrie-less Cavs. Yeah, this was Rodney Hood. Yeah. Um, this was Rodney Hood getting benched. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I feel bad. Uh, I mean, I feel bad for LeBron in that finals. See, if there was a finals that wouldn't count against LeBron, it would be this one because the, the path to the finals for LeBron was much more difficult than the actual finals, man, because that thing was just – it was a wrap right when he got there. The Warriors yeah. had a challenge against Houston that, that, that year, too. That was even more exciting than the finals, too. So Yeah, I think that was the final that year. Because yeah. those were the best teams in the league, honestly. All right, jumping on from there, number nine. I got 2017, the year right before this. It was Warriors and Cavs. Um, this is when KD hit that big shot in game three. I think I think the Cavs blew them out in game four so that they didn't get swept. And then game five went back to uh, – game five went back to Oakland and – Warriors closed out there, but yeah, twenty seventeen is number nine for me. Um, I got um at number nine, I got twenty fifteen. Um, this was also finals where LeBron was just overmatched. I mean, it it wasn't really that much of a um difficulty for the Warriors to win after uh, Kyrie and Kevin Love were out after Game One. Mm. So I feel like in terms of intensity, this wasn't the greatest because LeBron was basically carrying. Timothy Mozgov, J.R. Smith, and hey, Ivan Shumpert. Delhi was playing his part, though. Delhi was playing yeah. his part. It was, sure, it did go to six games. I just feel like in terms of storyline intensity, I, I didn't really find that much in this finals. Mm. So uh, I have it at number nine. Number eight, I'm going Spurs versus Heat in 2014. Uh, the intensity was at – there was probably, this was probably the least intense finals. I don't think there was a close game at all besides the, the Heat game where they won. But this is the one where LeBron cramps up. And then the the Spurs go out and blow the Heat out in record margin. Um, it was not close. Any of the wins, I don't. I remember like turning off the TV. Remember a couple of times because that's how that's how much of a lopsided it was. The thing about this finals was um, it was a, a revenge tour for the Spurs, and for that storyline, I just put it number eight for because of the storyline. I got at number eight. I got um, Warriors Cavs twenty seventeen. Yeah, man, these are. Uh, the <laughs> Yeah, these weren't the greatest final series besides 2016, honestly. I mean, the the one redeeming factor for this was, I mean, the Warriors had lost the year before, and it was KD's first year. And, I mean, the the first game was, or, yeah, game three. Game was, three was uh, a competitive win. It was yeah. pretty close, and KD hit the game winner. So, if he didn't hit that shot, it would have been, this series would have been really different because the Cavs blew them out in game four. So who knows what would have happened, but I have it at eight, um, just because the Warriors were trying to um, get revenge. All right, moving on. Number seven, I got twenty twelve with Miami versus OKC. This is the first time that KD and uh, LeBron meet in the finals. I think everybody knew coming into this game, LeBron hasn't won a ring yet, um, and the Thunder are extremely young. The Thunder's pass to the finals was crazy. Um, they played some really really good teams. Miami was it was a lockout year too, so. Um, Miami was coming off that horrible loss to Dallas the year before. And then I think 
this final, I think OKC was just too inexperienced. The games were very close. A lot of games here were super close. This is why I put it over the Spurs and Heat game. But in the end of the day, this, the Miami had just had that veteran experience and the veteran presence to beat the uh, Thunder. So, yeah, I got that at number seven. Mm-hmm. I, I also got the same thing. I just uh, – the only reason I put this over the other – over eight and nine was because it was LeBron's first ring. So, there was a huge storyline coming into that finals. But I didn't feel like the Thunder really had a chance. They were babies back then. Harden had a really bad series. Yeah. And the last two games were basically blowouts. I mean, it wasn't really a contest after game one. Like, the games might have been close, but um, the Heat um, clearly had the experience and advantage over the the, the Thunder that year. I feel like maybe if they ran it back um, with James Harden the next year, they could have beat them. But obviously, they did trade him away, so... Yeah, I have that at number seven. Number six for me was that 2015 Warriors versus Cavs, uh, the one where Delhi kind of locked up Clay, or Steph. Uh, for me, the storyline coming into this one was LeBron. I think for some reason, I, think, I mean, the Warriors were 67-win team, but a lot of people thought LeBron was going to win because it was LeBron, and he just came off. It was This was going to be his fifth straight finals, and the Warriors were still like the little babies in the league, and nobody saw them coming. Um, this was Steve Kerr's first year. He won the chip because – Kyrie was out, Kevin Love was out, but um, I mean the games were close, and Steph had some big shots. And I think it was a like game five or game game five or six, whatever the closing out games. Game six. Game six. He had some big shots. Um, Iggy was Iggy was supposedly locking up LeBron, even though LeBron had a great series. And uh, yeah, I'm going. This was number six. All right, uh, number six. I got the Spurs versus Heat. Um, this. I have this higher because it, it was kind of like personal for me because I was not a fan of the Heat at all. Twenty um, fourteen, yeah, twenty fourteen. Okay. I was really not a fan of the Heat. I did not. I wanted that dynasty to end, or so called dynasty, because they only <laughs> won two. And um, yeah, it was just it was it was, the first two games were pretty good. The AC game, I mean, that was close. Second game was <laughs> close. AC game. And then, <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was funny. But um, yeah, I mean. It was just fun to see uh, LeBron go down at that time because I was not a fan at that time. So it was just it's fun a, to see them go down. The Spurs, I wanted them to get their redemption, and they did. They lost in horrifying fashion um, in 2013. So it was just a good a good um, win for them a year. So I have it at six. Uh, coming from me, number five, I got Raptors versus Warriors from last year. Um, I think this was a very – Middle tier finals are just middle of the pack because I mean, if everybody was healthy, this would probably this probably could have been number one or number two. I mean, the thing about this finals was the storyline really wasn't there. There was really no storyline. It was the Warriors basically fighting within themselves. Uh, KD and and Jer- Draymond were getting along. I think well, KD was hurt coming mm-hmm. into this finals. I don't think he should have played at all. Yeah, there was a lot of controversy with like yeah. who's if he's going to play or not and everyone was like, "Oh, he should this and that." And there was yeah. like conspiracies, was it a calf strain or was it an Achilles injury? So, it was yeah, yeah I have it at 5 too. So, the I'm only going. reason the only reason I wouldn't put this up any like or any higher is because I think everybody knows if there was a healthy KD and Clay didn't get hurt then the Warriors would have won this easily. Mm-hmm. I think this was because Kawhi basically was just on a mission yeah. this entire postseason, and this was the perfect way to cap it off against the Juggernaut Warriors. Um, it was kind of like Kawhi's I arrived moment for mm-hmm. me. It was yeah. kind of like and he, that entire postseason. Ended, yeah. uh, that part of the Warriors dynasty with KD, yeah. and as as we know, he left, so... And it was kind of a little revenge towards Zaza Pachulia back in 2017. But he's, I mean, Zaza wasn't there, but against the Warriors. So I just feel like, yeah, number five. Uh, yeah, a lot of what ifs in that finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, got number same, five. Yeah, too. I got okay. the same thing at number five. So with number four, I'm going with uh, the Mavs versus the Heat. Um, I mean, this was a really good finals. Like, the games were pretty close. Um, I remember. Uh, Dirk led a huge comeback in game two in Miami. Mm. Um, LeBron obviously folded. Um, that's one of the things that's always hurt his goat stock. I mean, he had eight points in the NBA Finals game. That's inexcusable. Um, scored <laughs> zero points in a fourth quarter and had, was averaging like two points a game in the fourth quarter in those finals. 
But it was a pretty good series. The games were pretty close. So I'd give it four. And it was one of the like big finals because that was like the first finals for the big three. And they were favorites and they got upset by a Mavs team that wasn't heralded coming into this as a heavyweight champion favorite. But um, they did beat the Lakers. They swept them. And you got to give them credit for that. Yeah, I got the same thing. Number four, Mavs Heat. Um, the storyline coming into this finals was probably one of the more memorable storylines. I because like LeBron coming into this finals was unproven. The villain, and he was the villain, the biggest villain. Everybody was rooting against him. Nobody thought the Mavs would be in this position. Everybody thought it was going to be Lakers versus uh, Heat in this finals because they were. The, I mean, who? Everybody yeah, they were the two-time that, yeah, the, think, defending champions at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, they got blown out the water by Pejas Stoyakovich, freaking uh, JJ who, was, who else was there? Dirt, JJ Barea, Jason Terry, Corey Dirk. Brewer. I mean, that team was straight full of dogs. Yeah, I'm they had a lot, lot of. Depth I mean, they're all team. Sean Marion. A lot of depths, seasoned vets. Uh, nobody really gave them a chance. Everybody thought, oh, Miami's LeBron's kind of an easy finals and win this, but no, they kept coming back at it every time they won. LeBron folded hard, and this I think this right here, if there's ever a stain in LeBron's legacy, it will be this finals right here because he was – Horrendous. I mean, this was his horrendous eight years in the league already. This is, this is no baby LeBron, yeah. you know, excuse. This was – this was a – After he won a few and, MVPs, and he was established yeah. as – he was established as one of the best players ever. Yeah, and then comes in and lays an egg. So, yeah, that's storyline for me, number four. Um Number three for me, 2010, Lakers versus Celtics. Uh, this one, this was a battle. This was a gritty, gritty. This is one of the last true defensive, like, finals because their games were low scoring. Uh, Ron Artest hits that huge shot in game seven. Kobe's last ring. Um, it was a rematch from 2008, which was, you know, it was Lakers-Celtics. It was just everything you ever hoped for in these finals. I mean, um, Paul, Paul Gasol played extremely well, and this was basically the end of the big three Celtics. Yeah, this, you know. yeah. I mean, this was near and dear to my heart as a Lakers fan, as a Kobe fan. I mean, this was a great series. I have it at three also because the other two are just too good. Like, even my heart wants to put this at number one, but I can't put it up over my top two. Um, yeah. It was a great series. It was nip and tuck. It was one of those classic – Celtics, Celtics, Lakers rivalry finals. I mean, every game was a battle. It was yeah, gritty, it was really gritty. Say that. Um, that game seven was, it was, it was one of the craziest game sevens I've ever seen. Like it was so low scoring. Every single bucket in that fourth quarter mattered. Obviously, Kobe, he didn't have the best game shooting wise, but he had 15 boards. Um, hit some clutch shots in the end, and obviously Ron Artest. I remember exactly where I was when he hit that shot. I was elated. I was so excited. Um, I couldn't believe he hit that shot. I was like, why are you shooting? Why are you shooting? And then he hit it. Hey, he couldn't he could believe it. Yeah. Either, man. And then he did the classic uh, kiss, to the, post -game yeah, interview. The kiss to the fans oh, and then the post-game interview. Kobe passed me the ball. Kobe passed me the ball. It was just crazy. I, I, there's a lot of moments from that finals. Um, number two for me, this is a real, this was a really hard one. I'm going Cavs versus Warriors in 2016. A lot of people's favorite, favorites, especially LeBron fans. Um, the Cavs win this one. This, this finals right here was, uh, it was, as people don't remember, but like six of the seven games were blowouts. The last, I think the, because game seven was so close, it left like just a, a different taste in people's mouth. Everybody thought, oh, this finals was the greatest because every game was like game seven. No, it wasn't. The first two games, the Warriors blew them out the water. Uh, game three, Cleveland blows them out. And then game four, Golden State comes back into Cleveland, blows them out. And then five, six, and seven, or five and six are complete blowouts by, on Cleveland's part. And then game seven was amazing. Kyrie hits that that shot that will be in etched in stone forever. One of the all-time clutch shots. LeBron has a clutch block. Um, yeah, number two for me is just a lot of moments. Um, I got Heat versus the Spurs at number two. Um, okay. I know this series was super close, but um, I don't think this one had the storylines and the drama behind it that um, the Cavs and Warriors had. Um, obviously, 
Um, game six was one of the classic games ever. Ray Allen hitting that shot. I believe the best shot in finals history, the most clutch shot in NBA history. Um, it was an amazing series, but it just didn't have the storylines that the Cavs and Warriors had. Um, I'm going to touch on that more when I go to number one, but go ahead for your number two or number one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Finish off number two. I forgot. Um, the Warriors were 73 wins. I, I could not forget to mention that. Anyways, my number one team, uh, my number one finals was Heat versus Spurs back in 2013. Um, every game was close. It was just, there was not, there was no, nothing left to, there was, it was the like most complete finals I've ever witnessed. Um, mm. You had the big three Spurs in their primes. You had young Kawhi. And then Miami were all in their primes. Mm. It was just like a, a clash of the titans, I guess you could say. It was an all-star battle, superstar battle, and there was nothing else you could really ask for. I mean, these two teams matched them so well. That was the well. year that LeBron had the block, right, on Tiago's splitter? This, yes, this was the block Tiago's splitter. Ooh, that year. game was amazing, bro. I remember that. That game was great. Um, I think I think this game right here. I mean, the path to the finals for the Heat was I think they played. Uh, was it Indiana this yeah, year? Yeah, this was the year Indiana took. This was Indiana. Seven. This was the year where the the Heat were like a twenty seven. They went on a twenty seven game win streak. So I think it was like the peak of the powers of the the, the Heatles, and then they come in and San Antonio gives them a run for their money. And I just think the shot by Ray Allen and Tim Duncan on the game. And then Tim Duncan missing the little hook shot in Game Seven, it was just the crazy finals. And yeah, my thirteen-year-old self was so ecstatic when the Heat won, man. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? At number one, I got Cavs versus Warriors. I feel like the impact of this finals um, is what puts it at number one for me because it can be felt to yeah, this day. Exactly. To be honest, like, this changed everything. This changed player mobility to even more than what LeBron did because. This was a 73-win Warriors team that came in. Um, I think they they yeah, they they had a really um, uh, back. They they had trouble in the playoffs because Steph did get hurt. Um, and oh yeah, he tore his little. I think it was he like had something a in Houston. But I remember he had yeah. a sprained knee. Yeah, in the Houston Ooh. series that they swept them in. And then he was kind of in the conference finals. The conference finals for for these were crazy. Who did they play again? The thunder. Oh, okay. oh my gosh. Okay, I'm, dumb. I'm dumb. I'm yeah. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a 3-1 comeback. Um, I mean, nobody thought that the Warriors would come back 3-1, I, I think. And then Clay had that game six, which was absolutely wild. Um, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen shooting-wise. This dude is game six Clay, bro. That Like, there's no stopping that. We saw that last year in the finals. We've seen that in the conference finals against the Rockets in game six. Mm-hmm. We saw that against the Thunder. I mean, it was so crazy. All the storylines coming in. Um, can they solidify the best season ever? Unanimous yeah, MVP. That was too. Steph's unanimous MVP year. And everyone was like, can LeBron bring a title to Cleveland? And this was probably the best team he had in Cleveland um, in terms of chemistry because I've heard a lot of um, players from that team talking about how close they were. There were a lot of good vets, um, Richard Jefferson, Channing Frye, and then you had Kyrie at the peak of his powers. You had LeBron um, playing really well, and that game seven, obviously crazy. Kyrie Irving hitting the um, one of the clutchest shots ever. Um, closing out that game seven, no, the Warriors could not score in that in that game in that fourth quarter. It was tied at eighty nine for about two minutes, and then Kyrie hit that clutch shot. It was amazing. And they, yo, they had good looks. They had the next two. They had the next two possessions. I think Steph, Steph was going to a three air body. I think Kevin Love was guarding him. Kevin Love mm-hmm. was guarding him, and he's locked him up pretty well. And Steph, yeah, he choked a little bit there. But um, but the crazy thing was after the game. Draymond goes in the lot, in the in the parking lot crying, calls up KD, bro, join us, join the Warriors, and the rest is history, yeah. man. But yeah, the Warriors right there. I think it was so crazy because the Warriors at the time were, they were like the it team. It was be, it was the it team. They were before it was before Kevin Durant, so they were like they weren't hated. And then as soon as this happens, like the entire shift of the NBA just completely flips over. LeBron is like the hero, and then. 
the Warriors end up becoming the ultimate supervillains yeah. of the league. So I mean, it was pretty crazy. There was a lot of a lot of stuff coming in there, but yeah, for me, the intensity in this finals just wasn't there as it was in uh, twenty thirteen. And I don't know. Uh, in know, terms know, of watching, yeah, like the fan watching, I feel like twenty thirteen was better. But in terms of impact and then the storyline coming into it, I'd say number one, the Cavs. Yeah, I guess you said it because yeah, the impact yeah, is, like, is felt to this day. Yeah, to we forget Game Five was the game where Draymond called LeBron. Uh, Rather, um, yeah, the B word, -word. yeah, and got suspended for the next game, and then, uh, oh, that was game four, and then game five was when LeBron and Kyrie absolutely went off for forty-one each, I believe, one of the greatest um, duo performances in a finals game ever. Game six, you get Steph gets ejected. There's the the mouthpiece. uh, Mouthpiece. Oh yeah, Yeah. who can forget about that? (laughs) So, there are memories in this finals. I mean, a lot of, especially kids like my age. We'll remember this finals yeah. forever, probably. This this is like an amazing finals. So yeah. Um well that is gonna wrap up our top ten um finals of the twenty tens. Moving on from that, we're gonna segue into our um pro football focus put out a list over the past over yeah. the last week, I think. Um, of their top hundred players of the decade of the last decade. So um of course there's no Patrick Mahomes, there's no, you know, whatever rookies like there's no Zeke Elliott but Tom Brady's number one in this list which I don't think any of us are going to disagree on a lot of people had um this controversial thing to say it was uh Drew Brees over Aaron Rodgers Shrey you don't believe in this where do you think Aaron Rodgers Uh, once again my man's Aaron Rodgers getting disrespected as usual um I mean this dude has won a Super Bowl in this decade let alone I I will say this. I will say this. I will say this, though. I mean, to put him at number – to put him behind Drew Brees is one thing. To put him at number six is another thing. That's what I'll say. He shouldn't be number six. Exactly. Like, quarterback's the most important position on the field. Like, cornerbacks don't win you Super Bowls. D-linemen do not win you Super Bowls. I don't understand why Aaron Donald is number two. He's – He's only yeah, been in the league for six years, too. Which he's blows pretty overrated. Like, what have the Rams really won? He's – their defensive ha- their defenses haven't been um, juggernauts. I mean, they've been middle of the pack or above average, but they haven't been anything great. So I don't see why he's number two. But this argument between Brady and Rodgers in the last decade, I don't see how you can put Breeze over Rodgers. I mean, if you look at the accomplishments, Rodgers has all of them. If you look at the stats, okay, yeah, Breeze has them. But Rodgers has been to the playoffs more in the last decade. Um, than Aaron Rodgers. Breeze has a under 500 record in the playoffs, while Aaron Rodgers is 10 and seven. Um, Breeze Bro. has been to one conference championship and blew it. Um, bro, bro. Oh, he threw he a pick could, in I, overtime. Mini- he threw a pick in overtime. Minneapolis, Minneapolis yeah. miracle. All right, that make a tackle. He's gets. A, he's gonna go. Oh, he's you gonna really think he's right gonna now. beat the um, Eagles in, in Foles, Philly? Yes. Yes, because Nick Foles is like that. And that that was that was the best Saints team they had in since the since the championship team in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Just saying, but I'd I'd still put Rogers because Rogers has won two MVPs in this decade. Breeze has won none. Um, Rogers has been to four NFC Championship games, and Breeze has been to one. Rogers has a better um, touchdown to interception ratio. Um, I feel like Aaron Rodgers. In terms of accomplishments, you have to put him over Breeze in this last decade. And Breeze was also under 500 a lot this um, decade. And Rodgers has won the division multiple times, I believe four or five times in this decade. And has only had uh, one losing season in which he was healthy. Oh, okay. I'm going to say this right now, man. Drew Breeze has... The thing about Drew Brees is even if he's under 500, he's going to put up numbers. And he does. He's the most consistent quarterback we've ever seen, the most accurate quarterback we've ever seen. His teams, I mean, listen. Did he show up in the playoffs last year? I don't think so. No, okay. That was the first time in a long time, but at least he made the playoffs. He did. Aaron Rodgers. He went to the he's conference a... championship. Oh, oh, my bad, my bad. I'll talk about the other years, the other two years in the bye. Um, I'll say this about Drew Brees right now. This man... He in 2017, 
Minneapolis miracle right now. If they, if I don't know who missed the tackle, was it Marcus Williams? Marcus Williams makes that tackle. They go to they go on the conference championship. They go in there. He's not going to choke like Aaron Rodgers does. All right, I'm telling you right now, he would have won that choke game. Choke like Aaron Rodgers. Played New England. Anyways, like I was saying, Drew Brees is the most consistent quarterback in my lifetime. I mean, this dude puts up numbers every single year. And, and the thing is, he can stay healthy, bro. This man, Drew Brees, does, barely misses games. My man's Aaron Rodgers. Oh, don't even get me started on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers gets to the conference championship. What does he do in there? What, has, what is his record in the, conference, in the conference championships the past three times he's been there? On three? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing so is... What have his defenses given up? His... 40 defense. points... They averaged bro, 40 man, points against his defenses, bro. Sean Payton. All right, what about the Seattle right, game, That's not even his fault. They, an onside All right, kick. it wasn't the defense's okay, fault. Okay, sure. Aaron onside Rodgers, kick. They were Aaron up 16 points. You got to give him. But that onside kick, yeah. that should have been it. That should have been the game right there. But someone decided I guess you to could make say that. a stupid play, and it didn't get into Jordy Nelson's hands, and the rest is history. And Rodgers did lead the, I will say this, the game-tying drive in that game. He did do that. He just never got the ball again. Yeah, but he blew a 16-point lead, though. Isn't that, isn't that crazy, though? He blew a 16-point lead in the fourth I mean, quarter. Did he get the ball? Did, did Mike McCarthy <laughs> start going passive <laughs> he, he on He actually offense? had four inter- – he actually got a – I think it was interception with uh, like six minutes left, and then whoever did whoever got it slipped. Yeah. So yeah, that was some, crazy. It's always and, their defense, bro. I'm telling you. They had four interceptions that game. Anyways, the thing about Drew Brees is uh, against Minnesota last year, no, he didn't play his best game. I think that's when we really saw the, the faults. But, I mean, since 2017, you can't really lie. Drew Brees has been better than, uh, mm-hmm. than Aaron Rodgers since 2017. Best There's no denying that. What about the that rest, first seven? The rest of the decade, I mean, the rest of the decade, you could debate the rest Two of the MVPs, years. Two MVPs, To be honest, one you, Super Bowl. You really – Two MVPs, oh, my God, here we go. Bro, I – I can't really lie, man. I don't know what to say, bro. I don't know. I don't know how to like say it to you. The eye test tells the me that eye Drew Brees test. is better. Come on, now that's the, the greatest thrower of the football ever, bro. The greatest person Drew to ever Brees throw a is football. the most accurate. He's yeah, the best player at throwing away the football. That's what it. Drew Brees is the most accurate quarterback of all time, man. And he this I'm telling you, he has he's the all time leader in was it passing touchdowns now? I think he's almost he's passing yards, dude. This has, this dude has everything, and yeah, the thing like is, all the weapons while. They while the Packers decide to draft a bruising oh, running back yeah. in the second round instead of a receiver. You want to tell me about Aaron Rodgers' teams, bro? They're, those teams were pretty good back in the in the 2015-2016 years. Who they have? Uh, he had uh, Jordy Nelson, healthy Jordy Nelson, who was extremely good. Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb was pretty pretty productive for the first two three years in his league. Who else do you have? Uh, Eddie Lace was good for one year. I'm not gonna lie. Jordy Jordy Nelson year. got hurt um, against Dallas in 2016. Couldn't play against. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, who, the Falcons. Bro, Jordan Nelson had that one year where he was straight balling out. I don't remember. That was the year he got one, hurt. He was balling out there in the playoffs. Dang, that's crazy. And you, dang, you guys still got blown out the water mm-hmm. by Atlanta, right? I don't think Jordan Nelson would have made the difference in that game, but uh, maybe I mean, a couple of defensive players would have. Hey, you guys did have Kyle Hawkins Dix for a little bit. Okay, Dix. <laughs> Uh, your Clay Matthews in there. Clay Matthews was okay for a little bit. Clay Matthews, yeah, it was actually prime Clay Matthews. No, right? I don't know about all that. BJ Rogers towards the end of his career. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, New Orleans. I don't. I don't even know where they were after the Super Bowl. To be honest, I'm not gonna lie about yeah, that. Yeah, they they Saints they got, Marshawn, that, they got after the Super Bowl, and then they they were they seven got and nine for like three years straight. I will give him that. I will give him the fact that uh, I think Drew Brees lost to what's his name, the guy in Seattle that year. I don't remember his name. I don't think it was Hasselback. It was something. It guy. was. It was Charlie. Char- was it Charlie Whitehurst. Weiss? Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know how the Saints lost that game. They got beast quaked, and then they just they lost that. Uh, but yeah, I don't I honestly don't know. But the, I mean, the Saints. I just I just can't put Rogers over Brees, man. Like the numbers, the numbers, the high test, everything just points in Brees' direction. Okay. This dude went seven and nine for three straight years in 2014, 2015, and 2016. Seven and nine. 2012, seven and nine. Bro. But look at his numbers. It's not his fault. He went seven and nine. All right. 
Bro, Drew Brees. <laughs> Drew Brees has the most five thousand passing yard seasons in history, man. I'm telling you, he puts up numbers every year. I'd still put Rodgers over him for the last decade. Yeah, I guess you could say that. But I mean, look, I'm pulling up the numbers right now. From 2010 to 2019, he had eight years over 4,000 yards, 4,500 yards to be to be exact. I mean, you can't replicate those numbers. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Well, Rogers, Rogers made probably... two All Pro teams in the decade, and Drew Brees made none. That's the that's the NFL doing them dirty, man. I'm telling you right now. Ah, uh, you know what? We're just not. We're yeah, just this not is something that I was not. I, I respect Drew Brees, but I wouldn't put him over Aaron Rodgers. He can be number three for this decade, but not number two. Let's move on from that. I'm gonna go. Uh, I got to talk yeah, about, we gotta talk about that. Number thirty-three on this list. I, why Absolute would you do this to this man? Abomination. Bro? You got. You put. They put. Let me say. Let me say some names right now. They put. Darrell Revis over him. Patrick Will. Darrell Revis was not good since twenty. Was it the year after they won the Super Bowl? Twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen. The the lad, like the last five years of this decade, or the twenty tens decade, Darrell Revis was not as productive as he used to be. I'm just putting that out there. Then he puts you put in uh, put Aaron Donald, which is number two, which is mind boggling to me. How do you put a guy who's been in the league for six years in the t- top ten players of the decade or top? Yeah, makes no sense to me. Aaron Rodgers for me should at least be top ten, or not Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson should be top ten yeah. for me, no no doubt about it, man. There is no doubt in my mind that Russell Wilson. I mean, he's kept the Seahawks relevant because their teams have not yeah. been the best. And teams he's in the past. been the only the common denominator in that team. Everyone has pretty much left, um, besides him and Bobby Wagner. And that offensive line has been terrible the past four years. And he's always let. He's never had a losing record in his career. He came into the league, everybody thought he was a game manager, and he's evolved into a franchise quarterback, an all-pro quarterback, Pro Bowl quarterback, and he can take this team to the Super Bowl if they build the right pieces, they put the right pieces around him, which I think they did. But, yeah, I think that's disrespectful as hell. Uh, I got another one. Um, Chandler Jones at 80. Man, I I got a, a little argument on Twitter the other day, but uh, Chandler Jones is a beast. And I don't think people realize it. He's a Super Bowl champion. He won the Pats. He was a big part of that team, mm-hmm. big part of that defense. He anchored that defense down. He was a sack leader last year, and they put him at 80. Mm-hmm. I think it blows my mind, man. He's, he's been consistent with his sacks, double-digit sacks for Two-time most of his career. This uh, decade. Two-time. Yeah, and you put him at Three-time 80. Three-time pro bowler. I mean, I feel like just because he's on the Cardinals is mostly why he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I mean, he's had every season since his rookie year that he's been healthy, he's had double-digit sacks. Um, had 17 in 2017, had 19 last year, was a sack leader. I mean, it's I just don't get it. Had 28 tackles for loss in 2017. Like, come on now. Yeah, I mean, you put Justin Houston over him at 46. Justin Houston you me? has you been put... so inconsistent ever since that one year. Like, come on. Ever... Yeah, ever since he got injured, he's 46 and Chandler Jones is 80. That is ridiculous to me. Um, Justin Houston yeah, had anything else 22 right? sacks in 2014. And ever since, and ever then, since he's had then, one he's double digit sack season. It's crazy to me. Um, even put Brandon Marshall at 61. Brandon Marshall was born in the early part of this decade, but I mean, he's not, I haven't not heard his name in a long time. Yeah. Troy Palmalu hasn't played since 2014, and he's number he's on this list. I think for this list, you just got to have like a certain cutoff date for blue players. Yeah. Drafting, man. Because, like, there's so many names in here that you just haven't heard of in so long. And then they're just on here because they played, like, two games in the 2013 season. Yeah. I mean, it's hard yeah. to do these type of lists because there are – it's a the NFL is a revolving door. I mean, there's new players all the time. But, yeah, I mean – Injuries happened. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, there are some questionable things on this list, especially Russell Wilson. That's absolutely disrespectful. Yeah, it is very disrespectful. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey was ninety-eight. Jalen Ramsey made this list. He played. In the, he's been in for five years. Wow, and he's one crazy. of the most overrated um, corners in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no, there's no denying that. I mean, Jalen Ramsey. He he had that one year in Saxonville. Then he got cooked by Tyreek Hill. Then it's the first a, week of the next season. 
yeah, it's just not a great. Yeah, this was a, it could do a lot better. I mean, the Pro Football Focus yeah. is known for just using numbers, so I can't really the, the dispute the numbers. But yeah, um, for me, I would change the list a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, for us, yeah, that's all I gotta say about it too. All right, with that wrapping up, yeah, we said Kenny was gonna be on the show last week and the week before that, but now this week he, he said uh, he had an exam, yeah. so he should be on the show next week. I don't even know what we're gonna talk about. To be there honest, there is a glimmer um, of hope um, for last dance over because LA just announced today that they're um, willing to open up for sports without fans starting the first week of June. Um, it's not set in stone, but oh, okay. um, that's an encouraging sign. So we'll see. Hopefully, we get some news. The Bundesliga's back. The Bundesliga's back. Uh, the German Soccer League, it's back. So, I think we're starting to see some signs of uh, life in the sports world. I think – I mean, I don't know what Adam Silver is planning uh, at this point. Honestly, I would. I don't even mind the season being canceled, even though as much as I want it to – it just won't feel the same. And, of course, like Shaq said, there will be an asterisk because – I don't know what like it's not gonna be the same. That's all I'm gonna say. It's totally different, and uh, yeah, we'll, yep. we'll see what happens. It's gonna be interesting. I hope uh, we get to see some NFL football. I mean, uh, NBA. Basketball. Next week we're gonna post. <laughs> Next week we're gonna uh, probably come up with another top ten something, unless some crazy news story breaks out. But yeah, for now we're gonna probably do some more lists coming up in the future, guys. Uh, there's nothing much we can really talk about. So we're going to have, you know, some lists that are going to be unique and never heard of before. We'll be coming up with lists every day yeah. in my head. I just need to yeah, write them we'll, down until we'll straight. We'll get some new content every week, some new lists. Well, with that being said, this is going to wrap up the show. Thank you all for listening. Once again, City Boy Rock, follow, follow on follow. Twitter, and uh, follow us. Yep. See you guys. I'll Peace. see you all soon.